This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. If you would turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Appreciate everybody braving the uh, blizzard. Uh, You know, when the Lord makes it rain, it rains. When He makes it uh, not rain, it doesn't rain. When He makes it snow, it snows. When He doesn't make it snow, it doesn't snow, regardless of what they predict. So, almost funny sometimes to uh, observe. But anyhow, a lot to be thankful for. We, at least we don't have to deal with icy roads, right? Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, really going to focus in tonight on verses 15 and 16. Um, and then probably, Lord willing, uh, next Wednesday we may, we may finish up the book. Um, and I hope it's been edifying to you. To me, it's a... Uh, uh, just, just a powerful uh, portion of scripture. Great instruction for the church. Um, so let me just again say, real quickly, by way of reminder, what the context of the of the book is: is Paul giving instruction to Timothy, and through Timothy to the church at Ephesus, and by implication, I would say to all. Uh, Men of God, all preachers of the gospel, and all the church. So this is this is written to a particular congregation at a at a specific time in history. But uh, again, uh, by implication, it's given to all of us. So it's instruction for the church on how to conduct ourselves as the church. Um, you might say, in one sense, how how to to uh, major on the majors. I mean, Paul. Just uh, here focuses in on the uh, the important things and lays it out for the church. Um, and this is his reason for writing. Again, chapter uh, 3, verse 15. I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Now, that's going to be kind of uh, key for us tonight. Uh, how to conduct yourself in the house of God. And that word house is, is uh, household is the idea there. Um, so you can think of the concept of a family. I'm writing so that you may know, so that you know how you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church. And remember, we talked at length about that. The word church, ecclesia, the called out ones. So we're talking specifically about uh, the people of God. That's that's the house of God. That's the household of God which is the church of the living God. So we're the called out ones of the living God. It's the household of God, the called out ones of the living God. Um, again, key. It's God's church. It's God's church. Now, that's, that's true of the church universal. And, I, and, and when I use the, the term church... Uh, some some people limit that specifically to that word specifically to uh, New Testament people of God. Uh, my understanding of it is uh, all believers through all ages. 
The church belongs to God. The living God. It's the household. Well, that's something for us to rejoice in. <laughs> because, the, again, the implication is we're family. We've been brought into the family of God. The church, the called out ones of the living God. The household of God. We belong to God, like we sang Sunday. We, we've been sought and bought by the living God. And then Paul finishes that statement by saying, the pillar and ground of the truth. That is, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Another part of the, or another important theme of this, this whole book, there's a, there is a, an emphasis on the truth. The church, as we said many times, is about the truth. That's what we, um, what we are to live. That's what we are to proclaim. The truth. Now, chapter 6, verse 15. In fact, um, let, me just, let me just start in verse 12 so we kind of get everything Paul's saying here, get the full sentence um, instead of jumping in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Sure, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know that all are family of God, but the actual church, from my understanding, the church as a body wasn't a body until. Yeah, I think I think that I think the uh, the, the term the term is used in different ways, but when we're, when we're talking about you know, with the broad scope, um, the people of God, I think it's it's applicable. To, to the, the people of God throughout the ages. Um, it, there is just a difference. In other words, you've got in Scripture, when you're reading through Scripture, you, you, could, you could differentiate by saying the church of the Old Testament um, versus the church of the New Testament. But we're all saved the same way, by grace, through faith. Um, and we're all called, uh, just as Paul mentions here, we're all the called out ones. Abraham was called. Um, David was called. Moses was called, and they were believers. They, they, they believed, and they were justified by their faith. And they're the called out ones of God. They're the elect. In fact, um, Scripture even refers to them as the elect. Now, now, so when I say that, I, I don't mean, uh, for example, I'm, I'm not, in the Old Testament, the, the covenant people was the, the nation, the ethnic nation of Israel. And, and not all Israel is Israel. Not all Israel is the church. But those that were genuinely saved, I would include uh, in, the, in the term church. And like I say, some do, some don't. But to me, um, I, I see no reason not to. There's, there's, uh, again, we're all, we're all uh, part of the same family. Um, exactly. And by faith, you know, we're the seed of Abraham. Uh, the, New the New Testament believers are the seed of Abraham. Um, so, <laughs> um, well, some were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I don't think you can say that across the board like you can in the, in the New Testament. But... Like 
the, yeah, that was the, the, the beginning of the New Testament church as, as we know it. But uh, again, the people of God have existed since the beginning of time. And, and when I say the people of God, I mean those whom He has redeemed um, through the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. Possibly going all the way back to Adam. I mean, I, we don't know, I don't know for sure that Adam um, was saved. I kind of assume that he was. But, but certainly, um, Abraham, Moses, you know, you can go on down the line and name them. Uh, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, they, they were saved. Men of God and women of God. Um, as far as the, uh, the operation of the Holy Spirit, there's, there's a difference. Old and New Covenant, but uh, it gets pretty sticky sometimes trying to uh, uh, define all that. At least in my mind it does. Uh, for example, David says, you know, in Psalm 51, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. David had the Holy Spirit. Uh, John the Baptist was full of the Holy Spirit. And John the Baptist lived in the Old Covenant um, age. Now, he was an Old Testament prophet. He was, he was the last Old Testament prophet. Um, mm-hmm. He was full of the Spirit, spirit yeah. Mm-hmm. From his mother's womb. Yeah, he was conceived in sin. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't think any of us stopped being a sinner. You know, I mean, when we received the Holy Spirit uh, at salvation, we're still a sinner. And uh, so, yeah, he he would have been as well. Uh, it, that's that's true of every person. Yeah, but was he lost? Was he what? Was he lost? Was he lost? Uh, no. I would I would say not. Um, well, like I say, that you, we're getting into something there that's really, really hard to define. Um, it, it, and, uh, and the only thing I can... To me, it's always safest to stay with... Um, I mean, sometimes you can, by implication, go uh, in, in, into different language when it's safe or, or when you think it's safe. But when you get into a real sticky area where, where it's... Uh, where we just don't know, and it's easy to slide off into speculation, I like to stay with the language of Scripture. So, he, he was full of the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Um, that, that would seem to imply that he was saved before he was born. But I would not dogmatically say that and, uh, you know, would, would caution anybody else. I, I, it, it, I, I know he was full, full of the Spirit while he... It, yeah, that's. I mean, there's some truth to that. If a, if a uh, if an infant child dies, um, you know, we have no way of knowing. So. Chosen to be saved, yeah. Well, 
Saved in what sense? Well, they were saved, but, but they were not regenerated. They were not regenerated until the Holy Spirit indwelled them. We are regenerated by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit permanently. Now, you say it's safe, not safe. Now, now there's safe. Amen. Yeah, and and with most you know believers, I mean, I mean that's that's easily not easily, but I mean that's understood. But uh, it's just that you, John the Baptist, the language that's used there is um, is what causes some difficulty um, uh, in in my mind, at least. It, it causes some difficulty. But yeah, at first I thought you were saying saved. I, I you know some do teach, and and I would not you know subscribe to this. Some do teach. Uh, 
eternal justification. Um, the fact that you're chosen before the foundation of the world does not mean you're saved before the foundation of the world. You're chosen to be saved. The regeneration has to take place at some point in your experience in history. Uh, nobody, nobody is uh, like Paul was saying. You know, we're, we're born sinners, and at some point you have to be uh, uh, lost sinners, and at some point you have to be saved. Uh, so, uh, when, when I talk about election, cho- or cho- you know, being chosen, I'm not talking about about uh, eternal justification. Um, you're justified by by faith in Christ, and that that takes place at some point in your in your life experience. And yeah, go ahead. It's faith in Christ, yeah. Faith in Jesus. You know, is it his faith? Faith is a gift, absolutely. But it's not Jesus doing the believing. It's Abraham doing the believing, or it's you doing the believing. So it's, it's your faith. Right. It's a gift of God. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's there. It's one and the same. I mean, your faith or my faith, my faith that I have in Christ is is given to me by God. It's not something that I mustered up. It's not something that I worked up. Uh, it's something that God gave me. So when when Jesus commands people to believe, you know, He's telling them you've got to believe. Or when the apostles command people to believe, when I, when we command people to believe, um, we're we're telling them you've got to believe. But the only way that that's going to happen is for God to give them faith. You can't talk somebody into it. You, you can't talk somebody. If it was their faith, then it would all be based on one's persuasiveness. Yeah. As it interacted and had dialogue with their faith. Right. That's right. Well, it's the faith that He gave you, period, yeah. I mean, if, if someone believes, they believe because the Lord uh, granted that. You know, you know. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I, mean, I think I did. I, I hope, hope I answered it uh, sufficiently. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, that's, that's, that was kind of my point. I don't really make a difference. You say the faith of Christ or faith in Christ, to me it's one and the same. Um, you, 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 and I are the ones that have the faith, but that's because God gave it. I mean, we we don't. It's not something we generated on our own. It's not something that we were we were born with that needed to be cultivated. I don't believe you know a lot. A lot of people teach that uh, God gives uh, a degree of faith to every individual, and then it's up to you to to cultivate it. You know, and and if you don't, it die, it withers and dies. And it, but if you do, you know, you can you can uh, uh, nurture it and grow it. No, still out there. We've 
That's right. In Christendom, as well as the world out there, that would that would fly the Christian flag. Those who fly the Christian flag probably, the majority would probably believe that it is the responsibility to go out there and fan the flame until they get big enough to believe. Hmm. But that doesn't make it so. Yeah. Because it's the church problem. Yeah. That's right. It's it's just uh uh trying to remember the uh, in Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Progress uh, there's the uh, oh boy, I'm trying to remember the scene he describes and it's, it's, it's uh, eluding me at the moment um, but uh, there's, a, there's a fire it's when he's in the house of the interpreter and he's taking him to different um, individuals and Pilgrim's asking questions and interpreter's explaining and and one of them there's a uh, there's a there's a fire going. Help me out here, Leslie, if I say this wrong, because uh, somebody's trying to put the fire out, right? Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how it how it's. Well, help me out there. Who's? It, it, well, it's yeah, it's still going. I mean, who's trying? I, well, that's right. Um, Okay. Well, anyway, there's 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 a fire, and, and somebody's trying to put the fire out, and it and it keeps every time it like goes out, it it, it just reignites. And finally, and Pilgrim asks about that, and the interpreter shows him, well, look look back around here. There's this man back here that keeps adding oil to it, and uh, it's just the idea there is um, that that's what the Holy Spirit does with us. You 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 feel like sometimes your 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 faith is about gone or that it's been killed and but if you're genuinely saved and you trust in Christ your your faith is not is not something again that you muster up and that you uh preserve it's it's the work of God and so uh whatever whatever uh, the enemy brings it's it's God who keeps your faith uh burning so to speak he keeps you know, keeps putting a little oil in there, so so that it never goes completely out. It's never extinguished. And he, with the faith, we are fully saved. I mean, we are saved, and sanctification, I know, is a process. Well, that's what I was about to say. Again, see, there it depends on what aspect you're talking about, right. in what sense. It, no, we're not fully saved. Um, it's there's, if, if you're genuinely saved by faith in Jesus Christ, then you're never going to be lost. So if that's what you mean by fully saved, okay. In, in other words, if, if God has saved you, regenerated you, then your eternal salvation is secure. But uh, the process isn't over. Sal- salvation is a process. It begins with election and it ends with consummation. And then all, everything in between, God's calling well, bringing us into being, first of all, and then His calling us to Himself, His uh, regenerating us, His sanctifying us as we walk through this world, all that's a part of salvation that, that we won't know the fullness of until we are in His presence and we see Him as He is and we are like Him.
it's uh, it's uh, in in the mind of God, it's done before the foundation of the world. So before you and I ever even came on the scene, uh, he he picked uh, us out and said, "That one's mine. I, I, I'm I've you know justified her and uh, called her and sanctified and glorified her." In the mind of God, that was done way before you know. Uh, Yeah. You can't go there because you can't you can't be eternal in, as God is mm. and, and try to work all this out. But there are Amen. three definite periods when the Bible speaks about a person's regenerative process was before the foundation of the world. Mm. As far as God was concerned, that was good enough. There was at the cross and the crucified with Christ, yet mm. Mm-hmm. It never changes. In other words, the, the composition of that of that baby never changes. Its DNA never changes. It never changes its identity, but it but it continues to continues to grow. And Grows I, and, and yeah. I'm not certain that the believer ever reaches any kind of a, any kind of a final any kind of a completion. Yeah. I'm not prepared to argue that theology, but, <laughs> but, I, but I do believe there are, I do believe in glorification. I do believe in sanctification. I do believe in the point of justification in yeah. our time. But but I but I think people are becoming more more like who they are eternally. Mm-hmm. Amen. But you know, just for example, our 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 body is is still in a the, the corrupt state. So that's why when we die or when the Lord returns, corruption puts on incorruption. Mortality puts on immortality. So physically speaking, we're not saved. That, that is yet to be. And R.F. Gates used to say it this way, and I'm not necessarily a, a, a trichotomist, all right? R.F. was a trichotomist. He, he said a human being has a spirit, soul, and a body. Um, and so, so when he spoke of salvation, he would say this, and I'm going to use this even though I'm not, again, necessarily a trichotomist, but <laughs> I'm not necessarily not. That's right. I'm not necessarily not. Maybe I am. <laughs> but spirit, soul, and body, assuming that's correct, he would say, your spirit is saved. Spiritually, you're saved. God has, you're saved as you're ever going to be spiritually. Your soul, you're being saved. So, for example, Romans 12, 1 and 2, or Romans 12, 2. Um, don't be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your and that word transform is the word word uh, metamorphosis. So your your soul is being metamorphosized. It's being transformed. Um, body will be saved. So RF would say, you know, spirit saved, soul being saved, body will be saved. So that's that's what I mean by process. Yeah, amen, amen. You put it, yeah, the new the new creation. The new. <laughs> amen. Now you can go right here. It, it, I would say it would it'd be complete in the sense that our again that our salvation is complete, so that sin is no longer a part of our experience. Sin and death and corruption is is out. I think, but I, if, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but if, I'm, if I understand what Brother Carl's saying, and uh, I'm 100 percent with him, um, you're never going to know everything there is to know. I, I think eternity will be a, a time of growing. Similarly to here, except without. I won't carry, as Paul said, the, this body of death. Right. In other words, I can, I can assure you uh, that a person can can grow faster or better without the weight of ulterior motives and various sin factors and the pain of sin entering into play. Absolutely. Yeah. So, in fact, that's one of the. <laughs> The glorious things to look forward to. That's right. Unpolluted mind, unpolluted by AI. Amen. Amen. No, no more hindrance of, of sin. Um, so, I wanted to say that before I read this, but um, I was thinking about this. It came to mind with something one of you all said, and also Brother Ron had mentioned it the other day. Um, Philippians 1.6, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, uh, it's, 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 go, it's ongoing. So, we, we've been translated from darkness to light, and now the work is still continuing and will continue until the day of Jesus Christ when our salvation is complete. Again, complete in the sense that sin is no longer a part of our experience. Um, but absolutely, yeah, we're, uh, we're never going to be like God in the sense that we're infinite. Only God is infinite.
Hmm. Yeah. Well, before we uh, before we close, and and uh, actually these are some good things to consider, and I'll tell you why. Um, verses fifteen and sixteen, chapter six, verse fifteen and sixteen. Not what, all the way through this book, what Paul has been setting forth is is truth, truth, and it hadn't dawned on me this morning. I was reading. Um, John 18. Well, let me show you this real quick too. I'll try to be fast here, but um, first look at First Timothy six in in verse uh, verse twelve, where I was going to start a moment ago. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession. Now, I pointed out last week he uses this twice. Timothy confessed the good confession, and then he talks about Jesus confessing the good confession. Verse thirteen. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who, the word here is, is martyr, bore witness. Um, he bore witness to the good confession. So he uses that same phrase. He said, Timothy, you, you confessed the good confession. Jesus bore witness to the good confession before Pontius Pilate. So it, that puts a question in your mind. What is the good confession uh, specifically, precisely? Um, well, again, I think that's difficult to say precisely, but let me show you. I was, I was reading in John. Now, I looked at this last week because of talking about this, but uh, it, it, it just didn't quite hit me this way. This morning, I was, I was reading. Um, Jesus is here appearing before Pilate, and he's, he's asked, um, are you a king? And at first he says in verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. John 18:36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I'm a king. Now that's, that's an affirmative. He's, he's agreeing. Uh, you, you're, you say rightly. Or you're right, you know, I'm a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I've come into the world. But this is one of these passages that, to me that ought to make our, our uh, spiritual ears perk up right here. Jesus is saying, for this cause I came into the world. It's kind of like First uh, Timothy 3.15 when Paul says, uh, you know, for this cause I write to you. I write to you for this reason. Well, anybody that's reading that letter would would uh, would pay attention at that point. This here's the the author's telling us why he wrote. Well, Jesus is telling us why he came. For this cause, he says, I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. That I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So he's just, he's just told Pilate, I'm a king. Yes, I'm a king. And my, king my kingdom's not of this world. <laughs> it's, it's, it's of another realm. And this is why I was born and this is why I came, to bear witness to the truth, to testify 
concerning the truth. What truth? Well, the truth of His Lordship, His sovereignty, that He is King of kings and Lord of lords, that there is one true living God, that there's one way of salvation, John 14, 6. I came to testify or bear witness to the truth. And so, Paul over here in 1 Timothy 6 says, Jesus, Christ Jesus, who bore witness to the good confession. Witness the good confession before Pontius Pilate. He testified concerning the truth. What truth? The truth about God. The truth about uh, the reality of the living God. The truth about His own Lordship. So even here, Paul uh, goes into talking about that. Uh, first, he gives the, uh, the charge to Timothy. Um, finishes that out in verse 14. That you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which He will manifest in His own time. He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, what did Jesus bear witness to before Pilate? This very thing. And, 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 you know, in a sense, different wording, but I mean, it's the same truth. And so, Paul um, de- declares it here. And he's, Jesus is the, uh, the Lord is the blessed and only sovereign, happy and only sovereign, the King of kings, Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man can, has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. So we'll, we'll probably have to dive into that more next time, but, uh, but just for now, um, like we were just talking about a moment ago, uh, contemplate those verses, the second half of verse 15, verse 16, that's, that's the God that Jesus came to bear witness of. That's the God or the living God who the church is the household of and who the church belongs to. The blessed, the happy, and only sovereign. King of kings, Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. God. God of God. He's the God, the one and only, the true God. Uh, so anyway, these the things we were we were just talking about a few moments ago, contemplating um, salvation, um, faith, how somebody comes to faith, what faith is. All of these things are the work of God, the living God, the sovereign God, the God who works all things according to His own pleasure. All things according to His own will. All right, we'll we'll try to come back to that next week. Talk some more about that. But uh, anyway, appreciate the discussion. I enjoy the questions. I know it uh, it, it it takes us uh, a, a little bit out of the way, but but uh, but that's all right. Just uh, enjoy it. Let's pray, brother Carl. You mind leading us in a word of prayer? This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us 
or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.